There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Swedes 2 Turnips 1. The football podcast where the journalists from The Sun tell us all the secrets from the press box. Today we're talking great goals and we search in the next half an hour for the best goal ever. Oh yes we are. I'm Rashmin Chowdhury and joining me today we have The Sun's head of sports Sean Custis, chief sports reporter Martin Lipton and chief football reporter Neil Ashton. We start by asking you today what is your favourite football chant Sean? Is it chant or is it a song? Chant, chant, sorry. Well, <laughs> I had to do yeah, that. Chant or song? Uh, Blade and Races. Blade and Races <laughs> makes their heads tap. Hang on, no, yeah. I, I, you have to give me it. a chance. Uh, Please do. I went to Blade and Races on the 9th of June, 1862, on summer's afternoon. Mm. Took the bus from Bambras, it was heavy laden. Got the rest of it. Ish. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that is a song which is still sung now across across the ground you can hear it reverberating around and it dates back to you know some trip out to go and watch races 160 70 years ago which is mad isn't it really uh it's so so long ago it's still newcastle's theme song uh, as a chant but it's a bit of a song you'll be annoyed because i'm going back to him again <laughs> who is it it's mark mcdonald of course it is. so when when he's from newcastle uh, they pinned this song super mac superstar how many goals have you scored so far that still gets sung now, and it's to the tune of Jesus Christ Superstar. It, again, still gets sung. So those two reverberate around in my head all, all the time. Nice. Martin? I just like the fact that there, it's always caustic humour, and that's the, the, the chance that worked for me. There was the one to Guantanamero, which was which used to be dismissed about the number of um, fans that you brought with you. So one time it was, come in a taxi, you must have come in a taxi, and... <laughs> When there were fewer, the suggestion was you may have come in a condom. You know, you must have, there's so few of you there. But I also like the one when uh, when um, uh, Norwich played Chelsea in the first Mourinho season at Chelsea, and there were two chants, one at each way, with to the same sort of rhythm. The Norwich fans, and I'm not going to, to question the veracity of truth or on integrity of Roman Abramovich's money, but this is what the chant was: "We've got a super cook." You've got a Russian crook, which I thought was quite good. <laughs> Guess you sued, but... <laughs> but I said, I don't think you're going to sue 20,000 people. You know? But it was quite... And there was a response which was, we've got a Vamovich, you've got a drunken something which rhymed. And I'm not going to go down that because it probably wouldn't pass the... Te- but it was that sort of sense of mm. aggressive... I think terrorist humour is always a bit caustic and a bit aggressive because that is the, that's the nature of football yeah Neil what's uh, your favourite my, mine's I, I love a bit of history and a bit of nostalgia I, I get a bit uh, dewy eyed over stuff so mm. it's not really a, it's sort of you should be an iconic terrorist chant it's, um, it's power to the palace which is the Palace used to run out to that song yeah. uh, from 1975 onwards when it when it was recorded until the late 80s, early 90s. And everyone associates Palace with Glad all over. Yeah, and, and, I thought that yeah, was always. Yeah, yeah. And everyone associates the team with that. And Glad all over. Dave Clark Fiverr, Tottenham fans, aren't they? Yeah, they, they're was, the Tottenham yeah, sound. They are. As it was. So, just He's singing. The team, Power to the Palace. I don't know the other, I don't know all the words, but... Mm. It's, it's better so than the should, Red Red Robin at Charlton, which is really ridiculous. They should definitely bring a bit of that back, yeah. 
I don't remember it at all. No, but you would, no, because you would because these things just get lost in the sort of mists of time until you tell somebody. Until well, you, you remind, remind people, because, people, don't you? Well, because yeah. if you think, you know, when you, your football club's history, and I'm a big one for sort of attendance, oh, we're a massive club, we're this, that, and that, we've got so many fans around the world. You look at Newcastle, you look at Newcastle game in 1987, they had 16,000 mm. there for the visit of Carlisle or something, and you say, well, a massive club, where are the 51,000 that day? It's just an example. I'm not having a go at Sean, but Palace... I was there for Palace's lowest ever attendance in a league game. Yeah, old tech division, old money, 1986, Carlisle, three and a half, 3,400 mm. and something. That's on a Sunday afternoon mm. in the hammering, hammering down with rain in, uh, in I think it was early January, that game. Crowds unless, were unless awful you are at times in the, in the oh, yeah. 70s, 80s. Really? I mean, you would get, you get a Tottenham, I used to go to Tottenham, and there'd be, if you've got 20,000 some games, it was a big crowd. You know, they, mm. the ground Arsenal hold. was another team. Yeah. I've seen 16, 17,000 at Arsenal at Highbury in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Don had the Don Howe era. What's that to do with transport links? Or... Football went out of fashion. Hooliganism. Yeah, Hooliganism was mm. a big issue. People were scared. You know, I remember coming back from games. I went to, I, my, my routine was always, you go, you went to see Spurs lose, because that's what you did in those days. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, me Standard. and my mate would, would stop at the McDonald's in Tottenham High Street. Always. And I always had fries and a milkshake. That was my... No burger? Oh, I do not have burgers. Oh. Um, but there, I mean, we, and this, this a lad, rare lad, breed. Lad, lad comes up to us and he says, are you coming for the scrap then? And he says, what? No, it's the football. I'm not interested in, you know. But for some people, football mm. was about that. And I remember some pretty hairy moments mm. coming away from going, coming away from West Ham once at the away end thinking... Crikey, my car's over there. I've got to go through all these people mm. and these old bill with a. This is not a good place to be. And I'd have been what twenty twenty one. It was it was it was a pretty scary place at times. I think also disillusionment. When people were disillusioned with a team in those days, they really didn't go. Mm. Now people Still, do yeah. go do go mm. um, more. I would say. I mean, I, my mind may be playing tricks, but I, I I can remember. I'm sure it was. Seven, eight thousand, maybe for Newcastle, a game against Norwich when we'd already been relegated. Maybe it was into five figures, but it was really small. I remember a, we, I, I, I think we skived off school or left early for a Texaco Cup match in a <laughs> on a Wednesday afternoon because mm. of there was power cuts because of the three day week, and I think they played in an, a midweek afternoon because they couldn't put the floodlights on that night. And I think it was about mm. five and a half thousand wow. or something. Uh, Texaco Cup, you've got to be. Getting on a bit to remember. <laughs> Texaco Cup. Well. Yeah. But mind you, now you've got grounds which are officially full when no one's there. Mm. Arsenal every week, there's 60,000 mm. and they're empty. So, <laughs> so says the Tottenham fan. Yeah. 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 I can remember being at away games, though, in the, it was certainly in the 80s, when I, I would almost dread Palace scoring a winning goal late at somewhere mm. intimidating like Leeds United. I mean, we won 3-1, I think, and 4-1 up there. And we'd be on the terrace thinking... We won't get out of this place alive now. You've gone and done mm, that. Mm, you know, you'd be mm. celebrating <laughs> on the toast. Don't do that. Yeah, Andy, Higgin, <laughs> thing was Andy Higginbottom scored for Palace um, in '86 or '87, the '86th minute, three-two win at Millwall, and we thought that well, Millwall getting out of you know cold blow alone. <laughs> you had to have the love for it as well to yeah. be there, and it is all about goal. So let's talk about what makes the best goal ever. I Martin. think well, it all, it, everything makes it a great goal. It depends. It's the circumstance. It's how much you're emotionally invested in, in that goal at that moment. It's the time it happens. It can be a fantastic hit. It can be a brilliant team move. It can be just something that, basically, it's something that makes you go, wow, makes you think 
that's why they do it, because I could never do that. And obviously, I could never do anything with them all. <laughs> but it, it, it takes you out and makes you realise just how remarkably yeah, talented the mastery of it. The but I think, that is, I think that is a fair point, though. It is a fact that probably a lot of people who play, say, just really rubbish-level Sunday football, there might be a moment mm. where you could hit the ball, connect with it, well, from 25 yards or something, it might fly in. Mm. You see a lot of goals like that, and you'll see them on Sunday mornings. Can you beat six, seven players, uh, dummy the keeper, and then roll it in the corner? Most people on the Sunday mornings, Saturday mm. afternoons can't do that. Professionals can. Can you do an overhead acrobatic, you know, flying kick? Most people, again, who play... But there's probably quite a few who could hit a volley from 30 yeah, yards. Yeah, so true. even though they look spectacular, do they really count? But also context. Context. I mean, is a goal better if it's in amazing circumstances where you're right up against it and this is the winner? Does that make it better than, say, and we'll get on to it later, Zlatan's overhead kick from mm -hmm. 40 yards, which was amazing, <laughs> yeah. but in it's the world friendly. scheme of things, it, it doesn't matter. It's not. It's no huge yeah. relevance. But that is an example of a goal which I would think you could Nobody could if replicate. If you just showed show that, that goal as a clip, you would think, wow, everyone must be always talking about that. For me, it's about, does it make you fall in love with that person? Oh. Does it make uh, the emotion? Could it, can it bring a tear to your eye? None of Gareth Bale's goals have ever brought a tear to my <laughs> eye. Um, and they've been, you know, and he is yeah, capable yeah. of the spectacular. Let's, let's not doubt it. Mm. But, you know, say Maradona's goal in 86... England fan, but that, that it's just so mesmeric. So Why mesmerizing. does Bale's not? I don't understand that. Well, I mean, like that amazing goal he scored was it in the King's Cup when he goes off the bit. You know that that yeah, particular yeah, yeah. goal was mesmeric for me. I mean, that's a, that's amazing. Why would yeah, that not because, make you think? Um, because he turned himself into an elite level football and athlete with with dedication. He realised that it was the huge constitution of the game is all about pace, power, athleticism. Well, shouldn't and, be celebrating and, that. And, and being struck. No, no, it is. But it's not beautiful, is it? Whereas Lionel Messi, mm. every time Lionel Messi, Lionel mm. Messi's goal in um, 2011 against Real Madrid, when he picks the ball up just inside Real Madrid's half, that's truly mesmerising. No, not many people are capable of doing that. I don't think, well, in, not, on the, not, on, not any. On that, stage, him, on that really. stage, on that occasion, with what's at stake, not many people. And I'd rather be Lionel Messi or Ian Wright and the have the spontane. I'd rather have the spontaneity of Ian Wright, Zinedine Zidane, or any of those types. If I had the choice, if I had the choice, if I was blessed enough to have the choice, than Bale. Very interesting. I've never heard anyone. I'd like to be. Like Thank you. Wrong. I'd, I'd, I'd take Gareth Bale's career in a heartbeat. Of course I would. But I'm just saying for the. I don't. He, Gareth Bale doesn't make me fall in love with the game. Zidane against Leverkusen. I Zid, yeah, that, of course. Does someone, that make you fall in love with him? Yeah. I do love Zidane. Yeah, he's 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 one of my he's one of my sporting. That's because see, Zidane hates Bale. That's it's, what it's all about. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Conditioned by it. Does it make a difference if they've got a Palace shirt on though? So say say Bale had scored an amazing goal, even though you don't really rate him. Um, if he's got a Palace shirt on, would you see that goal in a different light? Well, of course. Uh, yeah. Well, of and course then, would you think yeah. it, it was course, a great goal? Would maybe. I want to be Gareth? Would I want? With, did I want to be Mark Bright? Not in a million years. No. Mark Bright, great Crystal Palace footballer, played up front with Ian. Give so me Ian Wright's shirt number ten shirt every day of the week. So it's the person and the flamboyancy, grace flamboyancy, the character, flamboyance, personality, yeah. yeah, raw emotion, how how they how they interact, how they how they behave. What interesting, the best goal Messi says is best goal of Messi's career. You know, you know, he, you know the goal he says is his best. Which one? It's a header. 
Because he said, because no one ever, because he never scores. He never scored. Scored. Oh, yeah, everyone, everyone, that's the goal. That's the goal. That's the there way. There you go. That's, the, that's he. Because everyone was, oh, he can't head a ball. That's right. <laughs> 2011, oh, yes, he, he couldn't score a goal in the, He can't score a goal in England. Oh, he can. He can't <laughs> score. Yes. There he is. Yeah. When he pops up again. Yeah. Um, so, what are your contenders for great goals, then, gentlemen? Well, and, I mean, there are so many. My, so. The fun for me, my, my, the first one I put in is the one of the 12 I could have chosen from Glenn Hoddle because I grew up <laughs> I still believe that Glenn Hoddle was one of the greatest footballers English footballers ever produced and I was think that to my dying day and I just adored him you know some players could split a defence with a pass he could split the atom I mean he was just fantastic and he scored a series of goals at, at Spurs there were two in the space of a week volleys against Forest and United there were goals from left left foot. There was on his last home game for Spurs or penultimate home game for Spurs when he ran through the entire Oxford defence without actually touching the ball. He just made them fall over by moving his body. <laughs> but there was one he scored against Watford at Vicarage Road in '83 when the which boys, you did show me before we started recording. This uh, which the ball was thrown into him, and he he managed to somehow turn his man and chip Steve Sherwood, who was the goalkeeper with no back lift, with a little back heel and then a beautiful crafted ball into the into the far corner. Uh, and I still don't know how he did it. It was just beauty in mm. action. And that, for me, was the goal that epitomised and summed up my footballing hero. It was really difficult when you have to deal with him as, a, as an England manager and be critical, or someone that you just revere. And thankfully, I sort of, Glenn and I get on quite well now. But there were moments that we didn't get on quite so well because mm. it was a job and it was, it really hurt me to have to be critical of someone oh. I, I love so I'm much. Full enough. I did yeah. bring in tea at the Neil's Eye. Yeah. Lots of Neil's been, been on the bench. I've about Gareth Southgate as well. It's, it's similar for me and Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think uh, that you have, to, you have to have been there to truly appreciate a great goal? I don't think there's anything quite like being there live mm. to, think it makes meet, it. to really well, yeah. feel it and mm. you really think... So I, I was like it's thinking about this regarding Alan Shearer, you know. I mean, he's he's scored on his debut for Newcastle against Wimbledon kills it in the top corner brilliant he's arrived fantastic what a moment mm. uh, he scores an incredible volley against Everton but this is where I can bring England and Newcastle together I was there in Euro 96 when he scores the third goal against Holland which again is one of those moments that just stays with me yeah. Gaza beats the man down the left he squares back sharing him unbelievably when you think he will shoot, and he was. He sees Shearer somehow to his right side, right, yeah. and nudges it off, and Shearer sticks it in the top corner. And I was at that game, the way Wembley rose to think we're stuffing Holland. I mean, and Holland are <laughs> yeah. a proper team. I remember one of my friends was there and being so jealous oh, that he was actually man, there. I think that was. Ju- I, it was. Disbelief, I think wasn't it's it? the. Mm. I, uh, I hesitate to say it. it's probably the greatest night I've experienced just, yeah. at, at Wembley. It was imagine. just off your feet. It, three lions on the shirt played beforehand. It, as as an event, as an occasion, and to see that goal go in, um, that's right up there. That one for, for me mm. might even be the might even be the winner <laughs> for me. Well, the way you talked about it, I mean, I'd well, it brings beat it. Try and well, well, it also never brings seen, a Newcastle. Speak with so much. It, it brings a Newcastle United idol and England into it, and and the occasion and everything. I, I, it probably it probably is mm. is the leader for me. I mean, another one I I, I remember because it was it was that was context. It was personal context. It was my first season working for working really doing football in the Premier League with the with the Press Association and. On a, Mid, first midweek of the season, Leeds played Liverpool at home in 94. And Tony Yeboah virtually broke the crossbar with this volley. 
which flew past David James. And I, I, you know, you couldn't have fired a gun quicker. It felt it was just mm. absolutely astonishing and out of context with a pretty ordinary match. This goal was just, just brilliant. He scored a couple against Wimbledon, I think, at the weekend. Yeah, I was. Sat, I was sitting. The it's always better when it hits the crossbar as well. Yeah. It's, 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 it's almost something a little bit better when it just catches <laughs> it and bounces down. Players like... don't do that enough these days, do they? They're too cute. They're like Bergkamp. They're just so precise. <laughs> they just curl it and they can just <laughs> ripple the net. But yeah, we need to go back to those days. But it was just it... such a brilliant hit, and it, it it was it was the explosive power of the goal. And so sometimes it's about the creativity. Sometimes it is the sheer wow factor. Yeah. If you just just when you mentioned Bergkamp, I'm uh, about to say there are a few of the uh, iconic ones. I, I looked it up this morning just yeah. to remind myself yeah. of the Newcastle. one who scores against Newcastle when it yeah. the ball is played into him and he somehow drags. You, you can't even describe that. You can't. Yeah. You can't even describe it the way he drags it past Dabby Das and turns, goes around him, and then passes it in the corner. And everybody thinks it's a fluke. And there's an interview with him where he's pretty adamant that it wasn't a fluke, but you watch it again and again and you think you cannot possibly have meant to do that. And yet he was such a skillful player. There is an element where you think, well, maybe he did because he was capable of many the, things. The improvisation. Do you want to hear about my goals? I'd love to hear about your goals. Good. Uh, we got, stop well, we won't go. <laughs> we won't, we don't, <laughs> that would take we a whole other podcast. We won't go back it? to Palace in '90, but um, in, in, in yesterday against Chelsea, 2009, the boys would have been there. So oh, Chelsea, they're heading through to the Champions oh. League final, and and the stadium is just—I mean, it is electric. They're going mm. back to the Champions League, and then out of nowhere, our man, my man, Messi, um, on the edge <laughs> of the area. This is this is the genius of this the guy because you would think he's going to fashion an opportunity to shoot himself because it's the last chance of the game. It's the last hope. They have to get something from it. And you'd say, look, just give it to Messi. Whatever you do, whatever you do, give it to Messi. And then he just sees uh, Iniesta on the edge of the area and he just says, I'm going to let you have a go here. And you watch that ball run across the box and the way he just shovels it in to the top corner and the noise, the noise from just to the left. I I still remember it now. Again, it's Mm. one of those moments you need to fall in love with the game again. I remember that moment in time and it's not a criticism it's not because I don't like Chelsea it's not a dislike of them it's just you're in the Champions League final mm. oh no you're not they are mm. instead <laughs> they're going because you've got no time jeopardy is, is there's so much jeopardy there is no time to recover which is why I love the Champions League nights so much it's also for it's us knockout stage you're either in or you're out that night mm. in the second yeah. there's no there's no going back there's no replay you're in or you're out that night one swing of the foot and in that no, press yeah. box, as you know, as you know at Chelsea, it's not the best viewing press box, especially if you're yeah. back. But for that goal, if you're Perfect. down on the front row and you you look to your left, I can see it now. It goes in the top right hand corner. You're looking down the barrel of it. Yeah. You watch it. You can see it in the air. I can still see it now, just floating. Everybody's almost time stand still yeah. as it goes in, and the silence almost at first from just the Chelsea fans. Corner, it goes in, but Pep. Pep runs down the touchline. Pep's going mm. crazy. You know, that's one, yeah. it's one of those Mourinho nights when yeah, he's running yeah. down the touchline. He knows and he's burying, uh, you know, a sea of, sea of bodies. Just just extraordinary occasion. Another one, I was there for Messi's uh, goal last season against Liverpool in, uh, in Camp Nou. Yeah. I don't know anybody who was in that stadium. I've not come across a single person, in, certainly in the media, who when he placed that ball for goal number 500 of his career, yeah. when he yeah, put that yeah, ball yeah. down, wow. there isn't a person who, who thought, oh, that will sail over the bar. It was just, no, that's going in. Yeah. You better reflect, you better start <laughs> writing man. now because that is that is goal number, what was it? Was that their fourth of the night or whatever, whatever it was? Third, yeah. so it was, it was yeah. incredible. I mean, but those moments, those beautiful moments, you know, you talk then about the Iniesta goal and I was only watching at home last April, when Moore put Spurs, my yeah. team, through. Yeah. 
they've not been ahead at any point in the tie until the 93rd I mean, minute. It and, and it wasn't, and it was a ridiculous goal, well, you know, many ways. two crazy nights of football, and it was, wasn't it? It's like, it can't happen. And yeah. it was, I was in, abs- you know, I'm 52. I was in absolute yeah. bits because it was like inconceivable that my mm. team would, be in would ever League be in a Champions League yeah. final. And I wasn't in the ground. It didn't matter. My, I was sharing the moment with my nine-year-old and we were just, both of us, mm. in total bits of tears of joy mm. and disbelief coming out because football can do that to you and it can take you to places you don't know you have and yeah. don't know you don't know and, exist and Lucas Moore would definitely say that because having scored that hat-trick against uh, Ajax in the Amsterdam Arena um, Poch now puts him on for, for one minute as a <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, in, in matches that's so. life <laughs> is that <laughs> I, for that I almost want him to I want Moura to hold his hand up and say boss hey, you remember, you, remember? <laughs> <laughs> you just you shouldn't really be He's doing too this too nice isn't he Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I think for sheer unbelievableness goals, I can <laughs> I can always think of two that just made me go, that's that's just crackers. I don't even know how that happened. One I one I wasn't was there, one I wasn't. Then the Roberto Carlos free kick in the Tournoir, which was I the Tournoir was my first uh tournament that I did with the Daily Express in ninety seven. And I remember us being in a hotel in a place called Le Ball in France and we were watching this game Brazil and we watched him line up this free kick and we're laughing a bit it's a long way out and I can still see as he hits it the ball goes off the screen he, he hits it round mm. the wall and it goes off the screen and it comes back onto the screen that's how it seems to seems to me the way I remember it and in it went and he tried it about 250 times after that and never managed to recreate it. To see the way that ball swerved to go in, it was just like I'd never seen a free kick like it. I don't think I've seen one since. It just defied all all mm. physics. I mean, I, I, it was one of those goals that you just, you can never, ever forget. And the other one I referred to earlier on, being in the stadium when mm. Ibrahimovic yeah. did that Sorry. overhead kick from 40 yards, 35 yards. It might be 50 yards, it might be 20. But it's just the ball <laughs> was dropping. Wolf first game for England. Was it? it, it was the Ivory Coast well, International Wolf. I think Vaheem played that day as well. His debut. In 2012? Yeah, I think it was his debut. It's the game that finishes Ryan Shawcross's England career as and well because he comes <laughs> on for 15 minutes when we're 2-1 up and we lost 4-2. Four, four two, yeah. four two. And the ball, it, if you ever watch it, 
and Neil seems to spend a lot of time on YouTube because he keeps referring to it. But if you keep <laughs> the ball drops over his head and he's facing the stands. I mean, yeah. he's facing away. It's a ball that you expect him just to bring it down, kill, turn around, and look for a cross into the box. And he does this overhead man. kick. Absolutely. And we're gracious. like, that can't be right. That didn't happen, did it? You had to see replays. You mm. couldn't it was understand. Do yeah. characters matter then? Because we talk about Messi and for all his grace and his, I mean, he is you know, the greatest ever, but for all of that, he doesn't have much personality. There's really well, nothing else to him. His on the field, isn't it? And I don't... That's, I, the, that's, I, that's what I mean. Yeah, so but does I love, that I love, matter? No, I, it does, yeah. Do I, I love, does character matter when it, it comes does, to yeah. scoring those amazing goals? Yeah, of course it does. You need to, because clearly people like Cristiano Ronaldo and, and Zlatan get off on telling people... How great they are. How great they mm. are. And it gives them something to say, I will do this, therefore, therefore I will. And Ronaldo's career undoubtedly has flourished and been so successful because of the rivalry with Messi. And I think he, and he, finally, he finally sort of got to it. In fact, you spoke to him about that mm. um, at the Champions League draw. Mm. I didn't see you at the after party this year. Did no, you I not? I see you there. I was there. Oh, Shameful, do you know what? I spent ages talking to Eric Cantona. Yeah, no, of course. Actually, oh, a good 40 did minutes yeah. with Cantona. Did you understand any of it? Eric Cantona or Neil Ashton, and, and you went for Eric. Um, interesting you say that about Ronaldo. He actually did admit that to me in, a, in an interview two years ago as well. I had to push him to get that answer as well. He said that, um, you know, I'm, I always want to be the best and I will always push myself. I said, yeah, but did that rivalry with Messi make you push yourself harder? Well, I always want to be the best. And it was a good, like, three, four minutes in yeah. that he actually said, well, did he make me better? Maybe. So, yeah, he has actually admitted it before. And he showed but... that little bit of humility on stage because he said we haven't had... You know, we haven't had dinner, dinner yes. yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just a lovely touch. It was a yeah. lovely payoff to say, look, we're going to be, when our careers are over, yeah. we will just sit back and, and admire each other. We're going to have a Budweiser, you know, sit yeah. back, have a Bud somewhere. <laughs> and we're going to be, like, we're now, he doesn't, he famously apparently doesn't drink. I think he does like a little glass of wine from what I've heard from time to time. But he's, he's, his body's a has, he, has he told you what his favourite goal is? Because I, I think he scored 700 really? goals his now, Ronaldo. Goal and I don't think seven, we've got one on the, we have not one on the list here. He did tell me, and that was, his favourite goal was the overhead kick against Juventus that took Real Madrid, was it to the final or was it to the semi-final of the Champions League in 2018? He scores lots of great goals for Ronaldo, but I cannot back, think of one think particular that stands out. That was his favourite. Roma, because... Roma, the, uh, is the, the um, is it a hat-trick he got against Roma? Free kick against Roma, yeah. the header. header against the header Roma. was incredible, header, wasn't it? Seven foot in, leap, yeah. seven foot in, yeah, Man United. There was that free kick against them, Portsmouth, wasn't there as well, when he hit the, the first one. I said, anyone hit, hit the valve mm, like maybe that? Maybe it's the same, I suppose it's the same with Messi as well. You, you, do you pick out one particular mm. goal? The lesson that Ronaldo puts out there is a lesson in life in general. Always be better than you were yesterday. Give, dedicate yourself and be the absolute best. Is it Romario in the World Club Cup? Who well, does Mario that? And Edgimundo do him in cold, yeah. Absolutely amazing goal the way he flicks the ball over Gary Neville's yeah. head and goes around the other side and scores it. I, that one's up there in me. It was a great top five I've ever seen as well. There's, there's, it, the thing is, it's, it's all about what it means. I mean, I've, one, of the, one that I put on my list was because three days earlier, Spurs have been beaten by the worst Portsmouth team in history in the FA Cup semi final and were awful and they'd missed loads of chances and lost to it. And it was like, season's falling to rubbish again. And they had to play Arsenal and Chelsea in the space of four days. And they had this unknown left-back making his debut called Danny Rose. Three mm, minutes yeah, in, corners punched out, I think, by Fabianski. It drops on his left foot 35 yards out. Everyone's look, you know, looking to see which part of Rose Z it's going to land in. And it just... 
girls in the back of the net. It's like, this, this cannot happen. Yeah. And they won that game 2-1 and they beat Chelsea 2-1 and suddenly they were on the brink of getting in the Champions League mm. for the first time mm. in their history. What, what about um, Bentley's goal? Oh, like, I, was, yeah. I was away. Was that? Yeah. I, was, I can't remember. I was, was, away, Hyman, was away yeah. some... So Bentley's goal for us. It was like Tottenham. I was on holiday. Yeah. It was, must be a half-term holiday because yes, I can remember. They appointed, they'd appointed him on the previous Saturday overnight. They played who? Bolton on the Sunday Spurs. Redknapp Red, Red had appointed. Oh, right, yeah. was sacked on the Friday. On the Saturday night, ten o'clock, they did the deal to get Redknapp in. Who came in? They beat Portsmouth. And on the Wednesday, they played Arsenal. And about five minutes in, this unbelievable goal from mm. 45 yards yeah. by Bentley and, and suppose they then 3-1 down and 4-2 down and end up nicking a 4-4 draw. It was yeah. just astonishing. It was nuts. It was, it was Who knew, by the way, that Clive Allen was such an angry man? Very pleased to know about that. I mean, this stuff. It's like Clive, the sort of, you know, oh, your fifth yeah. coach, mate. You know, <laughs> sit sit over there, give ball, you know, balls and cones your BBC. Yeah, side of, side of Clive I'd never seen before. Do celebrations matter when it comes to... Those whether it's a great goals. goal. Yeah, whether it's well, a... iconic goals possibly, but whether it makes it a great... Like, well, it makes we... you remember it more. Babito. Babito. Remember Babito? Of course you do. Yeah, the celebration. Yeah, but I don't remember the goal. That's the problem. I don't remember the goal. I just remember the celebration. Yeah, I remember Roger Miller talked about dance. Gaza with the dentist chair celebration. Danny Rose's celebration actually sticks in my mind just because of the disbelief of scoring. Not Robbie Fowler's in the Merseyside Derby. Probably not. Maybe not that one. I, I do also think that a great goal in a final is a bit is a bit extra because I would yeah. you know, Port Fields goal for Sunderland in seventy three. It's it's not a brilliant goal, but it's a it's a, a good goal yeah. in the context against the mm. greatest team that was going at the time mm. in England. But Gerrard's goal in the FA Cup final against West Ham, when all hope was lost, and fortunately for Liverpool, there was a useless right back for West Ham who managed to lose the ball <laughs> when he should just put it out of play. And it falls to him. And I think we were into added time, well, 94, 94 though, 95 minutes. And he hit it the way he hit the one against Germany for England. And if you wanted the ball to fault anybody at that moment, it yeah. was him. And he had an unerring way of getting a of, of, of finding the answer at times. I know he gets remembered for slipping against mm. Chelsea, but it's ridiculous in many ways for the career he had. Yeah. He hit this ball and it was a Cardiff and we're all, you know, another one of those stunned, that's amazing. And you knew once that had gone in that Liverpool were going to go and win mm. the cup. But, you know, Zidane in the 2002 Champions yeah. League final, it's the first Champions League final I've been to at Hamden mm. and that volley against Leverkusen. I mean, Leverkusen were the better team. They played them off the park yeah. and they, they had two goalkeepers, didn't they? Because Casillas came on off the bench, I mm. think. Sanchez didn't go, but they had loads of chances, Leverkusen. That was the winning, the winning goal in a really, really great and game, it, you actually. You know, he taught... Taught Balak a lesson that those because it's Balak he loses, yeah. isn't it? As well, so it's a, it's a. We're talking about life lessons mm, today. Mm, life lessons, no. yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. That, was definitely, <laughs> that was definitely a life lesson for Michael Balak. Do not lose the world's greatest footballer at that moment in yes, time because yeah. he's going to do that to you, or he's capable of. Doing I think that you also you. remember. I think we both saw and I've got the greatest goal that never was. Mm. Uh, goals that oh, should yes, have counted, cool. and mine was obviously Spurs, but someone dear to Sean's heart, Chris Waddle. 1986 FA Cup third round replay against Oxford. Remember, I, I went to the first game, stood on the away end, got wet through. It was horrible. wasn't much better on the following Wednesday because replays are that that quick. And Waddle picks up the ball on the left hand side. He goes past. I thought it was seven players. I looked it up. It was seven players. He turns inside outside, Ridiculous. pings the ball into the bottom corner. 
And the, it's given us offside against, I think it was Clive Allen, who was outside the line of the goal. It, and I spoke to, to Chris about it a couple of years ago for a, a book I was doing. And he said, you, you know, I'm glad you remember it. I, said, I went to the referee and said, you can't disallow that. It's the best goal I'll ever score. <laughs> there's a, there's a, if, if, a, another one you can look up. There's a Kevin Keegan overhead kick for Southampton. It's about 1982. It's brilliant, acrobatic, edge of the box. A goal that would never be disallowed now. Flies in. Brilliant goal. Mm. And there's, I think it's David Armstrong or somewhere standing nowhere near, given offside, because in those days, if there was anybody beyond the defender, so offside, given offside, I wasn't there, but you, you can see it on film now. And it's brilliant, acrobatic thing. It's so, how you could be denied mm. that goal mm. defies defies belief, frankly. <laughs> and there's another one, for me, it's not disallowed. This was just a, a goal I'll always remember. And there's only me in the goal score will probably ever remember it. It's called by, by a guy called Andy Garner for Derby County Reserves against, Manche- <laughs> against Manchester yeah. United okay, so Reserves. that statement does ring true No, now. but the reason, the reason I remember this is, is back in the 80s that I, I was reporting on Derby County Reserves and they played in the third tier of football. But when you were reserve teams in those days, there was what you called a central league and teams in the top division would have their reserves in it. And it could be that a team in the third tier had their reserves in the same league. So, I mean, I'm in early days as a reporter and I'm travelling on the team bus with Derby County Reserves to Old Trafford. There's about 20,000 people in the ground. You get off the bus with the Derby County team. It feels like you're playing. What an aura. I think Robbie Savage, from memory, was playing for Manchester United. And Derby Reserves... 1-4-1 and there is a stonker of a goal called, scored by a guy called Andy Garner who, who is I think he's a Burton Albion now as a coach with, uh, with Nigel Clough it flies in and they won 4-1 and the celebrations on that team bus on their way back to Derby were just fantastic I mean it was it, it was one of the games I remember so so well because a lot of the lads in that team didn't actually go on to play first team football but what a night it's all about that joy isn't it yeah I think you know, Sean and I were there, 1998 in St Etienne, Michael Owen's goal against Argentina because it was so extraordinary. I'd love to say I was there, but I wasn't. <laughs> I you were. No, the one, the one no, the I was at Mexico versus Croatia from my from my memory, <laughs> and we watched it on the telly. <laughs> and it was an, a, a truly, it was an eye popping moment because we go a goal down in the first two minutes from the the penalty. Is it a penalty? Isn't it when Seaman brings down? Batistuta, I think. They score the penalty. We're going to lose. England then get the, the penalty. Blimey, we're in this. And then there's... Have you seen that? Did, did he did he really do that? He shrieks away and he pings it top corner. No. And you think this this young boy, and he was 18 at the time, and there had been a big debate, should he or shouldn't he start? You know, Should it be showing him or should it be Owen? It had been going on. And in that moment of sheer wonder to see an England player at that tender age, in what was his fifth, sixth cap, score of a goal of yeah. such mm. majesty majesty <laughs> such beauty in that in, you know, in setting and the atmosphere was perfect that night it felt like a huge event we had the Argentinian screaming blue murder on the on the coach before they got in let alone what they did afterwards and the whole thing yeah. was it felt like an epoch making yeah. night yeah. and that gate that goal added to the luster of the evening I've got to say 2010 for me Frank Lampard's disallowed goal it's the only time I've ever celebrated a goal and in fact, it was a disallowed goal, but it's the only time that uh, the impulse and the spontaneity and the reflex reaction mm. um, to, to that effort that I've ever jumped out of my seat. Um, the to only celebrate. goal you've ever jumped out of your seat for? It, it, working professionally. Yeah. Oh, working. It's the, it's the only time, yeah. And I, 
I I wasn't proud of myself for doing it, but it was I it, I and I can't. Uh, I am slightly, I am slightly embarrassed about it. I don't think it's the right thing to do in a press box. I think it's unacceptable. When people, oh come on, we punched the. We were talking about the. We were talking about the penalty shootout. We were. There was a bit of punch in the air when we won a penalty yeah, shootout. I, I know. I got to say what you're saying. But... A little bit of decorum, a little bit of respect and dignity. But come on, oh. Lance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Which goalkeepers have you felt most sorry for after seeing a great oh, the... goal? <laughs> One of our colleagues felt very sorry for the England goalie. So, <laughs> so England playing against Brazil, David Seaman is beaten by, you know, Ronaldinho. Did he mean it? Did he not? Flies over his head, goes in. We lose 2-1. Uh, so we're out. Neil was referring earlier. Suddenly we're out of the World Cup. All right, you might think you're going to lose Brazil, but we'd been there a long time in Japan. We were getting very used to it. We were starting to think <laughs> finals are on. <laughs> David Siemens let this goal in. And I remember... Our chief sports writer at the time, Steve Howard, was not best pleased, I've got to say. And David Seaman comes into the mixed zone and we're thinking he's probably not going to stop or anything. There's a lot of noise going on at just at the point. So Steve goes, <laughs> boo! And at that point, everything went quiet. So Steve thought you could get away and just go, boo! Just as a bit of a laugh. And it, suddenly the noise had stopped and Steve was there going, boo! And poor old David Seaman's come this way, about to burst into tears. He stops and our other reporter, Mark Irwin, was there. And, and he begins to explain about it and starts to break down. And Mark, who is known as Death Irwin, he's got no sensitivity whatsoever, starts getting really emotional and tapping David Seaman going, don't worry, David, you're still one of the greatest goalkeepers in the world. Really, it's okay. We still... We still wow. think a lot of you. I haven't seen anything like it. What is going on? Yeah. Uh, Mind you, we had all written that morning. Seaman can go on for five years, says yeah. Ben. <laughs> we had. Okay, lovely. Been great to have you guys, as always. That's about all we've got time for in this episode of Swedes 2 Turnips 1. My thanks to Sean, Martin and Neil. I look forward to having you all on the pod again soon. Remember to subscribe and review the pod at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. That is it from us. We'll see you again next time. 